most, many of you will be future husbands, future wives, likely. As well as, at the end of the day, we're looking at this, we, as any scripture test, we're looking at God. Now, this Bible is about, not about me, not about you, but it's about God. God. And it looks to Christ, and see, we see Christ here. And so that's wonderful as well. I'll say more about that. But ever since the first sin in the garden, and please keep out your, your phones and your Bibles as we, as we continue, but husbands and wives will be committing the same sins. Husbands have been, if you, if you go back with me, we think about Adam and Eve. Husbands have been passive. They've been irresponsible and unable to step up to their God-given leadership and call to protect and provide and cherish. Think about Adam. A snake starts talking to Adam's wife, and Adam does nothing. You see, if a snake starts talking to my wife, I think I'm going to have some words with it. I think I'm going to say, all right, I need to step into this situation and do something. But no, he doesn't lead at all. He's utterly passive. He doesn't say anything as the devil lies to and manipulates his wife. And when she sins, he lets her instead lead him into the same sin. And then later, instead of taking responsibility, he hides and plays the blame game. He says, all right, it was the woman, it was the wife that you gave me, God. How pathetic is that? And still men are doing the same thing. Most, today, most men, 80%, I think, are pushovers, are plagued with passivity and cowardice. There may be the 40-year-old who's still living with his parents, working on becoming a level 200 dungeon master. All right? Or, the other side, 15% of men are violent, they're domineering, they're tyrants, whether it's the abusive boyfriend or the national dictator. In the American prison system, 93% of federal inmates are male. This is a male problem. And most of us men are really a combination of both, right? Myself included. We can be both very passive in one side and parts of our lives and, and violent, domineering in others. Whether you're the supermarket clerk who is cowardly, passive at work and career, but at home is abusive, overbearing to his wife and children. Or the Wall Street CEO who is violent and aggressive and domineering at the boardroom, but he's an absent father. He's passive in his relationship with his wife and his kids. And then wives, we won't leave the wives out either, likewise have like Eve, can take things in their own hands, as Eve did the forbidden fruit, taking control and undermining her head, Adam. Like Eve, when the serpent spoke to her, she didn't turn to Adam and say, Adam, um, do you have uh, something to say to this? Um, there's a snake talking to me here. And instead of saying, all right, Adam, you lead. You say something. What do you have to say about this? Today, wives can do the same. And the name of maybe what's best for the family. Oh, this will be good for us. Let me, let me take control here. Let me take charge. 
They can tear down their husbands with their words and take control of the family, nagging, quarreling, cutting down, respecting, disrespecting their husbands and his leadership. And out of fear, begin to slowly poison their marriage. The Bible says that this can be so bad to be with this kind of woman. It is better, Proverbs says, to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Or some women can be so desirous to be led that they will partner with any man, an abusive man, a violent man, a passive man. Why are there so many women, sadly, who are stay in an unmarried relationship that's abusive? They're holding out for the hope that she will be led, protected, provided, and cared for as she longs to be. And then all of us, to an extent or the other, are one, fall into these or a combination, right? And so the question is then, what, what shall we do when this is the legacy that we have? So whether you're single, you're young, you're unmarried, you're married, we need this sermon. It could be, like I said, a future husband or wife. And then at the end of the day, this is about loving, godly character. It's about God and about Christ, because that's what it ends up talking about, the character of God and who Christ is for us. Marriage finds its meaning in the gospel. It finds its meaning in who Christ is. So let's look at this text together. Number one, and we see this in verses 22 through 24, it says, Wives, submit as to Christ. Submit as to Christ. And before we are maybe tempted to dismiss this as maybe an ancient misogynistic text, let's listen and see that Paul really does something. He does something amazing, something radical and culturally insensitive. You see, there is this, in the Greco-Roman world, there are these um, ancient household rules. And they were written to fathers, to husbands, to masters. All right? And it would address the fathers, the husbands, here's how you roll, run your marriage, here's how you run your household. Masters, here's how you treat your slaves and you run your household. And that's what they would be. And what Paul does is he addresses wives, mothers, slaves, and children. And not only that, he addresses them first. So he totally flips it on his head and he addresses these as equal standing, as dignity, as made in the image of God. And he, so he addresses the wives first in this. And so single ladies, listen to me. This is why it's massively important to pick a godly, Christ-following man. As, as it says right here that, all right, you'll submit to him, you'll want to, to respect him your whole life. You see, I found that women, they want a man who pursues and leads them. want a man who's going to pursue and lead them. Otherwise, I've seen the opposite then of you're trying to pursue him and nagging him your whole life. It can really be either or. But it's centered on Christ. And we have to get this from the start. Wives and husbands, their relationship, their roles in the marriage is they both get to be like Christ. The gospel is the center of marriage. God the Son is equal 
to the father, but they have different roles in that relationship. The son, his role is to submit to the father. So it's not a dirty word. It's to be like Christ. The son is equal and partners with the father in accomplishing the will of God. And so it says also right here, this is a picture of Christ and his church also. That this isn't something that's a replaceable metaphor, as some maybe want to take it, but it's, you can't replace this. The church submits to Christ, and Christ leads and serves the church. Verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So what does this word then, submit, mean? It means to respect, to let him lead, to follow his leading, to yield and surrender. It's a heart attitude. It goes much deeper and it's different than obedience. It doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion, you don't lead with, you don't influence, you don't share or speak your mind. He uses it in verse 33, the word respect also as synonymous, respect. I think that's a very good thing to take into account. For a man, it's a way of loving him as you respect him. That's, that's a man's love language, so to speak. That respect is respecting him. Show your affirmation to him. And trusting in a finite man is so hard. Trusting in a man is very hard. But you can know that in reality, he's saying you're trusting in the Lord. You're primarily trusting in the Lord, that Christ is your head. He's saying, do this as to the Lord. So Christ is the true wife's head. And so under that, you're submitting to the husband, trusting God to do this. Wives, you can't control your husband or what he'll do, but you can control yourself and how you love him, how you submit and respect to him. And he says that this is a unconditional regardless of what he does. And submission, though, by that point, it doesn't mean to obey. You see, and we see this from the Bible as well. There's a submission, but it doesn't mean obedience. It doesn't mean you do everything, that you don't do things that go against the gospel, that go against God's word. And here's a major secret right here that we can look forward to. That man, when Chelsea, when she is respectful of me, when she's submissive like that, it, it's like, wow, I, I just come alive. I'm like, man, I'm gonna, I'll die for this woman. I'll do anything for her. I'm going to be totally selfless. I'm going to do dirty diapers. I'm going to get on my hands and knees and clean and wash. I'll do whatever because I love her. And that's to me so attractive. When she affirms me, I feel like, all right, man, I'm 10 feet tall. All right? That's the way how it works, how men and women are wired in this. Verse 23, 24. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, which he is the Savior. So husbands, you say, right, they're the head, they're the leader, the initiator, and you're his helper. That word helper is a word actually that the Old Testament uses mainly for God. It uses mainly for God, how God is our helper. His co-ruler of creation and co-heir of eternal life, the Bible tells us in other places. Made equally in God's image. 
Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives must, should submit to their husbands in everything. In everything? Yes, like we said, it's not a matter of obedience, though. Obedience is different. It explicitly goes against the gospel, goes against God's word, then full license to not obey. And yet, submission, you see, is a, is a thing of the heart. It's that respect, it's that position of the heart, fearing God, obeying God, not obeying man. So wives and future wives, Scripture encourages us to model as his glorious church does, Jesus' bride by submitting and respecting her husband. Number two, husbands. Husbands, servant lead like Christ. Husbands should servant lead like Christ. Verses 25 through 31. And for the single men, it's important to become this way now, to become this kind of man now. We're going to go through this together, and we're going to see six marks of a Christ-like husband. Six marks of a Christ-like husband. Husbands, verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we see the first thing is that he is to love her. The first mark of a Christ-like husband is loving. This is the center of marriage theology is the gospel, like we've been talking about. How does Christ love the church? Husbands have such a high calling, a selfless calling, responsibility. They're called to be like Christ as well. Christ, right? He wasn't a pushover. He wasn't high-handed or domineering. He was selfless, loving at the cost of himself. Christ died for and loves the church, his bride. So husbands can date her, every week be pursuing her, that she is first, and the single ladies, you can look for a man who will be like this, have this kind of Christ-like character that put you first, his wife first, not his job, not his hobbies, not even his family, one who will show her public affection. You can be aware of what her love language is to do these little things for her, to text her, write her notes, pick up flowers. Now dating is what married couples do, not what girlfriends and boyfriends do. Second mark is that he will be sacrificial. He'll be sacrificial. It says that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Christ is sacrificial. Husbands ought to be sacrificial for their wives. He bends to her wishes. This is how this works well, this whole submissive and servant leading thing, when the husband bends to her wishes, he compromises. He blesses her, he dies to herself. He makes decisions with her. Yes, you're the leader, but any good leader makes decisions with his co-leader, with his co-pilot. But you are the one maybe to call the family meeting, to discuss, to lead, to initiate. It's your responsibility to also take care of the kids with her. They're your kids. You're supposed to spiritually lead your kids, your children, your family. It's wives first, then your kids, your job, and God first and all at the center of it. 
And it's to unconditionally lead, to unconditionally love, to unconditionally sacrifice and serve, no matter what her response is. That's how this thing works well. Third mark is to gospelize her. Uh, That's a word I created, but I've also heard it as well. (laughs) To gospelize. I'll tell couples, uh, married couples, that you can turn to your spouse and say, or you can think of your spouse and say, all right, I'm a big fat sinner, and you're married to me for life. Chelsea and I have said that to to each other many times. (laughs) The reality is that probably no one else perhaps will hurt you more than your spouse because no one else knows you that well. No one else is in so close relationship with you. You see the worst parts of them and they see the worst parts of you. But there's such a beauty though in that when marriage works. Husbands and future husbands, we should share the gospel with her. We should gospelize her. We should be the ones who go first and be quick to forgive and quick to repent. To try to outdo her in, in uh, being, um, offering forgiveness and asking and to change first. I've tried to do this sometimes with uh, Chelsea and we get in these cycles and stuff and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna outdo her. I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat her into forgiving first. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to lose arguments, okay? Instead of, you get into an argument with someone and you're like, all right, I want to win. I'm like, it's so stupid. Wait, what are we even arguing about again? But that's how human nature, that's how we are. It's not only in this relationship, but to, all right, let me, let me be the one to change first. Let me be the one to repent first. And when I'm mad or something with Chelsea, then, all right, I need to die to my pride and be the one to first forgive. And then she, I find, is the one who then often responds. When I've gone and said, all right, I'm sorry for doing this. And then she'll go on. Maybe later that night or whatever and say, all right, hey, I'm sorry that I did this. Whatever, Jonathan. Fourth mark, fourth mark. Verses 26 through 27, we see this. The, the husband sanctifies. The husband sanctifies. Verse 26 to 27, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Our husbands have this weighty thing that they're going to appear before God on the judgment day. And they're going to be asked, all right, what have you done to sanctify this woman? Have you made, did you make life harder for her or did you make her more holy? That's a weighty thing. That's the husband who should be leading her in prayer to encourage her and affirm her in the faith, to lead your family devotions, family worship. And there's nothing more spiritually attractive to that than, right? And this should bring up some hard questions for, for men. Or think about it in the future. That is my wife going to be more or less like Christ being married to me? Am I getting to that place? Am I making her more holy? Or do I set her back? Is that the kind of relationship that I'm going to be living and leading in? 
Number five, fifth mark, that he nourishes and cherishes her. Nourishes and cherishes her. Verse 29, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. That, again, this is selfless. This is sacrificial. This is doing to others as you want them do unto you, right? This is, you want to be the kind of man Michael Fernando, to develop, and I'm pointing the finger at myself too, that, all right, let me just, let me take care of the kids for the weekend and let her get away. Let me promote her ideas, her dreams, her hobbies. Do what's best for her, not what is easy for her, not what's easy for me, but what is best. To be the kind of man who asks her, all right, how are you doing? How is she? And really mean it. Sixth and last mark, to treat her as one flesh. Treat her as one flesh. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He loves, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, and he quotes Genesis here, he says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So like I've said before, it's making her first, not the kids. In American culture, um, families I've seen by far ends up being all about the children. The children are the center of the family instead of the husband-wife relationship. You, I found, Chelsea and I found that we're better parents as we make our marriage a priority rather than our children the priority. We don't make decisions. Husbands should not make decisions on their own but with her. Should not be a tyrant, should not be overbearing, domineering. That's a false view, twisted view of male headship and leadership in marriage. But just as you love yourself, your own body, this, this way you must love her. Her, look for her body, her comfort, her adornment, her care is our care. Her emotions are our emotions. Her social needs are our needs. For this is what Christ did for us, right? God himself became a man put on frail human flesh to accommodate to us. Now this is for men, women, single people, husbands and wives. Here would be the law verdict when it looks at us, me or Chelsea as, as husband and wife, or us as maybe future husband and wife, or as men and women. We can look to see a sentence on the judgment seat that it would not go well for us. In the best of times, I'm a pathetic husband. In the really good times, Chelsea's maybe an okay wife. Apart from Christ, we're miserable partners. But here's the good news, that Jesus Christ is a much better sacrificial head and husband than I am or any of you will be. He's a much better submissive and perfect son this is the last point, church. Church, look to Christ's submission and his servant leadership. 
We see this in verse 32 and 33. He says, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that this refers to Christ and the church. So I'm talking about marriage here, Paul says, but all right, this is, refers to Christ and his church. This is a picture of it. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. He's been rooting this whole thing in to a picture of Christ. Over and over again, he's turning back to that. Marriage finds its greatest source, its meaning, its symbol in the gospel, in Christ's relationship with the church and his relationship with God. So we need to look to Christ and become like him. He's a perfectly submissive son. He was equal with God. But right as Philippians 2 tells us, though, that he didn't count equality with God even a thing to be grasped. Right? He perfectly submitted himself to God and to other men for a lifetime. Philippians 2 says this, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. A sacrificial life of service to the Father, who in the garden, Jesus humbly pleaded, Lord, take this cup from me. But he submitted and said, But not my will be done, but yours. Look to Christ, the perfect husband, the loving husband, bridegroom who loved and died for his bride the church whose every day was a, a death a dying to self a dying for the benefit of his bride to be he desired to make her holy he wasn't selfish he wasn't domineering he cleansed and washed her with the word of the god the gospel so marriage is and can be unbelievably hard. Many of you will see that in the future. But it finds its power, its meaning in the gospel, in the work of Christ. If you see his love, his example, and his dying for you, and your heart is melted by that, then you can love your spouse unconditionally. You can love other people conditionally. Number one, it says, wives, submit as to the Lord. Husbands, servant, lead like Christ. Become that kind of people, friends. Become that kind of godly, Christ-like character. Church, look to Christ's perfect submission and his servant leadership. See, God-given marriage relationship will both flourish for husband and wife in their God-given roles and responsibilities as they look to Christ and his gospel. This is our bridegroom. This is what Jesus Christ does for us. Though we as bride are faithless again and again to him, he keeps loving us unconditionally. He's committed to us no matter what. Christian, single person, look to Christ, the perfect and submissive son the perfect sacrificial husband, and let his love melt your heart until you begin to love others like him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Lord, and I pray that you would help us to be, become more like Christ and Christ-like character. I pray this for myself, God. I pray this for husbands and wives who are here and not here. 
I pray this for future husbands and wives. I pray for those here, single people would grow in their Christ-like character so that when they get to the point of operating in those roles and places that they would that they would walk in Christ-like character saturated with the unconditional love of God. Pray that we would look to Jesus and look more like him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.